Our third scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 58, verses 1 through 12. Shout loudly, don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their crime, to the house of Jacob their sins. They seek me day after day, desiring knowledge of my ways, like a nation that acted righteously, that didn't abandon their God. They ask me for righteous judgments, wanting to be close to God. Why do we fast and you don't see? Why afflict ourselves and you don't notice? Yet on your fast day you do whatever you want and oppress all your workers. You quarrel and brawl, and then you fast. You hit each other violently with your fists. You shouldn't fast as you are doing today if you want to make your voice heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I choose? A day of self-affliction, of bending one's head like a reed, and of laying down in mourning clothing and ashes? Is this what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Isn't this the fast I choose? Releasing wicked restraints, untying the ropes of a yoke, setting free the mistreated, and breaking every yoke. Isn't it sharing your bread with the hungry, and bringing the homeless poor into your house, covering the naked when you see them, and not hiding from your own family? Then your light will break out like the dawn, and you will be healed quickly. Your own righteousness will walk before you, and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and God will say, I'm here. If you remove the yoke from among you, the finger-pointing, the wicked speech, if you open your heart to the hungry and provide abundantly for those who are afflicted, your light will shine in the darkness and your gloom will be like the noon. The Lord will guide you continually and provide for you, even in parched places. He will rescue your bones. You will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water that won't run dry. They will rebuild ancient ruins on your account. The foundations of generations past you will restore. You will be called mender of broken walls. Restorer of livable streets. The word of God for the people of God. God. Author of life, we thank you for your word, and we ask that your spirit would be with us this morning as we reflect upon it to transform us in heart, mind, and soul. Amen. Last week, we detoured from Isaiah to spend some time with Micah. There were three simple rules that Micah gave us to follow if we want to be faithful to God. Do justice, embrace love, walk humbly with God. The reason that Micah had to lay these rules out so simply is because the people of Judah had gone astray from God's way of holiness. They knew that what they were doing was wrong because when confronted by God's voice, they had the excuse ready at hand. We don't know what you expect of us. 
Basically, what we heard in Micah last week was God telling the people, look, we all know what you shouldn't be doing, so let me make it simple for you and tell you what you should be doing. This week, we return to Isaiah, and we hear the voice of God making the same point, but in an even more piercing complaint against the people of Judah. When God makes the case against Judah and Micah, it focuses primarily on the righteousness of God. When God makes the case against Judah and Isaiah, it focuses primarily on the sins of the people. So let's do as we did last week and take some time to look at the issues of the case. Let's see what exactly it is that the people of Judah are doing that has made God so angry. And let's listen for where God continues to speak to us today, because just as the word of God can serve to inspire us through positive examples, it can serve to caution us through negative examples. So the case begins with God hearing the cries of the people. We want to be close to you. We want to know you. Why do you ignore our fast days and our self-affliction? In the people's minds, they are doing what they believe to be right. They fast on the days that are appointed for them to fast. They mourn on the days that they're supposed to mourn. They have the outward form of religion down to a science. But as we will see, the sincerity of their desire is undercut by the lack of integrity in their actions. And so with this context established, the response of God begins. Why don't I see your fast? Well, what do you do on your fast day? You do whatever you want. You oppress your workers. Or another way we could hear that is, I don't care about your holidays because you force others to work on them. You take time off in my name, but you use my name as an excuse to abuse the workers who serve you. So the first complaint that God levels against the people, you mistreat the working poor. Next, God says, why don't I see your fast? You quarrel and brawl, you hit each other violently with your fists, and then you fast. Or we could hear this as, you spend the time that you think isn't holy hurting others, you use violence to get your way every other day of the week, but when it comes time to get my attention, you want me to overlook the way that you have behaved. So the second complaint that God levels against the people you use violence. Then comes the all-important question. Is this the kind of fast I choose? Do you think that what I want from you is for you to make a show on the specified days, but to ignore my ways on every other day? Is this what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? I know that all of you sitting here today know the answer to that question. And I'm confident that the people of Judah knew the answer too. But we also know that knowing what God expects of us is only a small part of faith. The living it out is the hard part. 
And thankfully, we follow a God who cares enough about us to have modeled out what living the hard part is like. In our gospel lesson today, we heard a part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And on Ash Wednesday, we'll hear another part of that sermon where Jesus draws on these words of Isaiah when teaching us how to be people of faith. This is what our Lord has to say. Be careful that you don't practice your religion in front of people to draw their attention. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. When you pray, don't be like hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners so that people will see them. I assure you that's the only reward they'll get. But when you pray, go to your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is present in that secret place. Your Father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. And when you fast, don't put on a sad face like the hypocrites. They distort their faces so people will know they are fasting. I assure you that they have their reward. When you fast, brush your hair and wash your face. Then you won't look like you are fasting to people, but only to your Father who is present in that secret place. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The message from the prophets through the Christ and into the present is crystal clear. God is not a prop to be used for someone's own elevation. God's name is not a tool to be used to justify wrongdoing. Even if a person can deceive themselves and the crowds about their righteousness, God will not be deceived. So what is the fast that God chooses? How do we live a life of integrity? How do we live the kind of life that God will want to see and reward? Isaiah has two lists. One focuses on systemic changes. Release the wicked restraints. Some translations say release the bonds of injustice. Untie the ropes of a yoke. Set free the mistreated. Break every yoke. In other words, build the kingdom of God. Work toward the creation of a just society. If God's complaints are mistreatment of the poor and the use of violence, then as the people of God, we cannot turn our eyes to the ways that our economy does violence to the poor. We have to be just as worried about our social sins as we are about our individual sins. Now, do any of us have the power to make those sweeping changes on our own? Of course not. But we do have the power to voice the vision of the kingdom. We have the power to live and act as if we are already living in that kingdom because we are living in that kingdom. If we look at that second list that Isaiah provides, we get some examples about how to model the kingdom. Share your bread with the hungry. Bring the homeless into your home. Provide clothes to those who don't have them and love those with whom you don't agree. If we want to look more expansively at Isaiah's instructions, there's an extended passage just two chapters before this about welcoming immigrants. One chapter before this, God voices love for those who mourn. 
There is no shortage of ways for us to model the kingdom as individuals because there is no shortage of people to whom we can extend love. If God's complaints are mistreatment of the poor and the use of violence, then we have to hear the cries of the needy and work to heal the violence that they have experienced. And do we have the power to heal those wounds on our own? Of course not. But we do have the strength and the compassion of the Holy Spirit to empower us. We have the power of God's grace working through us so that we can be the hands and feet of Christ. And then what is the conclusion to God's case through Isaiah? If you do these things, your light will break out like the dawn and you will be healed quickly. You won't have to make a show of righteousness because God's righteousness through you will be self-evident. This is what it means to live a life of integrity, a life of wholeness. When we walk in the narrow way of holiness, we live into that image of God in which we were created. There will be no division within our spirit because we will be at harmony with who our creator has made us to be. So finally, God says, if you do this, if you fast from sin in every day of your life, then I will hear your cries for help, and I will say, I'm here. God wants to be here for us, wants to care for us and guide us, but it is a two-way street, and if we cut ourselves off from God's holiness, then God is not going to force us to fall back in line. So when we find our way back, when we live into the image of God, that is when we will realize God has been waiting to give us a cool drink of the Spirit to satisfy our parched souls. God has been waiting to water the seeds of goodness within us so that we grow like a garden of justice. God has been waiting like a never-ending spring in the deserts of the world. Amen. Please pray with me. Fount of many blessings, sustain us with your righteousness. Make us the instruments of your peace through whom the world will come to know your love. Make us the laborers of your kingdom through whom the world will come to know your justice. Grant us the humility to lean on you in every situation, knowing that you are the source of our strength and goodness. Amen.